Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. But there always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, how to take the difficulty out of content creation informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as multiple favorite podcast platforms. If you'd like to receive notifications on when our podcast has been uploaded, please like and subscribe. And if there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Gwen Krilova is a highly skilled entrepreneur, sales trainer, and coach, podcaster, and speaker supporting women entrepreneurs to achieve exceptional sales results. With 30 plus years of sales and sales leadership experience, she understands the common thought traps for most women in sales, including the mindset of not wanting to seem too pushy, fear of rejection, and fear of judgment. Beyond helping women learn and understand the components of the sales cycle, Gwen's passion is to help women unlock their potential by overcoming their limiting beliefs and gaining the confidence necessary to not just survive, but to thrive in their businesses. Gwen is a certified professional coach and energy leadership index master practitioner with IPEC, the Institute of Professional Excellence in Coaching, a fully accredited program by the International Coach Federation, ICF. So Gwen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candy. Thank you for having me. I I'm appreciate glad to it. have you. It's going to be another great topic. I mean, my goal, of course, is always to educate entrepreneurs on things to help them be successful. And of course, sales is very important for success in business. So this is going to be a great topic. Yes, it is. It sure <laughs> is. Yeah. So before I get into questions that I have for you, I would love for you just to tell me a little bit more about yourself and how did you even get involved in sales? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> 
When I was young, I used to dabble in retail sales. I always had a passion for fashion. So I was in the fashion industry, started out in retail merchandising, realized I wasn't going to make any money, at Uh. least not for many, many, many years. So I pivoted to a career in computer science. Mm-hmm. and uh, got my degree in, well, it's actually in business management, but became a programmer and system analyst and like did that whole techie thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm an extrovert. So I would, mm-hmm. every time I met someone and they said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a programmer. They're like, wait, what? Like if they were <laughs> around me at all, they're like, oh, you do not fit that pocket protector, right? <laughs> wire wearing glasses. Look, so I did a, I did a, um, fundraiser run for the arts in Richmond, Virginia. And afterwards we were going for a beer and some lunch. And I met some gentlemen that were working for Xerox in the printing systems division. And they were like, wait, what? You're a programmer? Like, why don't you come to work for Xerox and sell technical equipment? Like, that's a good fit. And I was like, okay, can you get me an interview? (laughs) And Uh, They did. And I got the job. And hence, that's how my professional sales career started with Xerox Corporation selling mainframe laser printers. Interesting. It's funny because there are those stereotypes, though, too. Like you said, I mean, I'm the introvert. I'm in the field where people think of the pocket protectors and, you know, like the little tape on your glass. <laughs> right. So, but thankfully, yeah, I think we can burst out of those stereotypes. So, yeah, uh, yeah. But I would love to hear then a little bit more about your sales experience over the years and then how you are able to use that now, really to help people who are maybe afraid of sales. Um, so I spent quite a bit of time at Xerox and then I worked in other sort of technical worlds in business to business sales. So I worked for ADP, the payroll company. I worked for Mm -hmm. Icon Office Solutions, selling imaging equipment. Then I went full circle to selling software for the banking industry, which is where I cut my teeth in the programming world. So it was a really great fit, but I really um, disliked corporate America. And about 20 years ago, I found this, this company that reps a beautiful line of designer clothing at affordable prices, not like super high end designer prices direct to consumer. And I said, "Hmm, I think I'm going to give this a try 20 years later. I still do that. So I have um, 13 plus years in business to business sales. And I have 20 years in direct sales and also have led a team of women because we're selling women's clothing. Right. So, um, and that both of those experience led me to having some aha moments and realizing, okay, if you haven't lived in a sales world and you're an entrepreneur, you may not have formal sales training, right? And I see so many nuances, I think, that are particular to women and how they hold themselves back and play small when they really don't need to. And I just developed this passion for helping women to um, get what they want and deserve out of their careers. And wearing that sales hat can be really scary and daunting. And so I, it's just my passion to help women overcome their limiting beliefs and understand a sales cycle and, you know, habits of successful uh, salespeople. 
And I think most people listening will have probably a similar concept of what sales is, but just in case somebody has a slightly different understanding what we're talking about, do you want to give your definition of sales? Sure. Because it's a, it's, that's part of the problem with the, mm-hmm. the limiting beliefs and mindset traps that we have. I like to think of sales as educating your qualified prospect on how you can help them with their need or want or solving that problem. So educating them on how you can specifically help them and then providing that proposal to show them how. So people don't want to be sold, right? Because that feels manipulative. So I like Mm to uh, replace the word selling with educating. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's important too. And I actually liked where you talked about qualified in there too, because I think there might be this concept too, that, you know, you're just kind of speaking to the masses, you know, and trying to sell your product to the masses. But really, if you're not finding those people who are really qualified leads, then it probably is not going to be even like paid attention to, right? Yes. And not only that, it can be really demotivating because if you're, mm-hmm. if you're presenting to the wrong audience, you're not, you're going to be spinning your wheels and then you're going to think you're bad at what you're doing. And it's just right. because you, you're not in front of the right people for your product or service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So I think you've already touched on this a little bit too, but, um, why are you so passionate about helping women entrepreneurs then when it comes to sales? Yeah. So I work with so many smart, articulate, um, just accomplished women in so many facets of their lives and even their businesses, but they get really um, scared when it comes to putting that sales hat on. They don't want to come across as pushy. They don't want to come across as assertive because somewhere along the line, social society told us that women aren't supposed to be assertive, which there's a way to be assertive without being pushy. There's Mm -hmm. a way, right. And, and so, um, but I've seen the fear and trepidation of the sales, right. Um, starting with how they define it in their heads, Mm -hmm. really hold them back. And I, I know that if I can help them make that mindset shift, that it will really propel their businesses. Right. And I think there's a stereotype too, that, you know, men who are successful, you know, you look up to them and you respect them, but oftentimes women, if they're like at the top, you know, then there's like this negative perception often. And, you know, I've heard things too, such as, you know, women, what they're doing in order to be successful, you know, not just being able to sell, but, you know, they've had to do certain things, you know, that we don't need to mention, but I mean, I've heard those kind of comments and that is obviously a major negative, you know, to have someone be successful and have them look down upon because they, you know, must be doing something other than selling. Right. Right. Or, or, educating and serving, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, Mm -hmm. it's really interesting. And I'm not a man hater at all. There's lovely men out there in the world, but Mm -hmm. women are, I mean, look, 
even it's subconsciously or unconsciously, this happens a lot that women are just socialized differently. The expectations of how we behave and you know, not really to play full out and play big. And, you know, it's just kind of quirky and uh, I have supported myself a lot of my life. And so, you know, I know how to do it and, and I want to help other women succeed in their businesses as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we all have a passion. I mean, I have a passion to really help entrepreneurs be successful. You have the p- passion to help these women, you know, be successful in their educating, right? And finding those ideal clients who need their products or service. So I think it's important. That's why I like to have this podcast too and share the expertise from other people, really, you know, just to help them. So I'm thankful that we're on this topic today. And I would love to just get into like what are some of the most common mistakes that you see? related to sales? Yeah. Well, the first one is the mindset about sales. And, you know, in short, what I would say about that is because there are a lot of negative stereotypes that go along with sales, like pushy snake oil salesmen, you know, self-serving and all of that, you know, there was a time when sales was more transactional, but it's more, mm-hmm. it's more relational now because people have thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of choices. And so mm-hmm. they don't need to be manipulated. They won't be manipulated. So I really think, you know, that this stereotype goes from way back and it's just never shed itself from those stereotypes. But what I like to point out to women is that regardless of that stereotype. And there probably are some, some self-serving, pushy, egotistical (laughs) salespeople out there, but if you're not one of them and you're likely not, Mm -hmm. why are you giving yourself that label? Stop it. Like it's, it's, that's, that's not when, when people are describing those people, they're not you. So quit wearing the label. Okay. That's one thing. Another one is not following up. So when you're Mm -hmm. in a sales cycle Mm -hmm. and you've presented, you know, I, my, I look, we live in such a fast paced world, whether you're in business, whether it's personal stuff you're dealing with that, you know, if I'm, if I'm proposing to you and you need what I have, when we hang up, if we're not live, or if we are live and I walk out the door, you're on to the next fire that you're putting out. And speaking of fire, I say frequently that unless I'm selling a, a, a fire hydrant with a hose attached to it, and the next day your house starts burning down, I'm likely not to hear from you, right? Not because you're not interested, but you just got busy with other things. And the right. shame of that is And it's different depending upon what you're selling. Some sales cycles are a lot longer and more technical. Some are really quick. But the bottom line is if you get sidetracked and three months later, you're like, I got to get back to that. I really do want that, whatever it is. And I'm not front and center with you. You're talking to the next person that just happens to be sitting beside you that now has it available kind of thing, right? right? So, and there's a really easy way to make sure that you don't lose control of that communication. And it is simply to say something, this is what I use. And it's just, it's comfortable. So if I were proposing to you um, a beautiful jacket that I sell um, 
and you said, you know, okay, let me think about it and get back to you. I'm going to say, so Candy, part of my job is to follow up because I know everybody has crazy busy lives. So how right. about if I call you next Wednesday at six o'clock, would that work for you? Mm-hmm. Part of my job is to follow up. And right. it's almost never that I say that I hear, no, don't call me. I'll call you probably 90% of the time. They're fine. They may need to pick a different date and time. The problem is if you don't consistently use that as part of your business model, um, you will leave tons of business on the table because you didn't stay in control of just that next touch point. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good information too. Cause I think sometimes people think too, like, Oh, well, I don't want to bother somebody, you know, like, Oh, I called and I left a voicemail. I wasn't able to reach them and I don't want to like pester them. You know, I know you were talking about that before is kind of the yeah. negative side of what it's seen as, but I, you know, I've heard too that, the, and I don't remember the exact statistics, but something like it might take seven times of reaching out to someone, you know, before you actually can end up getting that final response or something too, just because like you said, things happen, people are busy. They may not be able to pick up the phone. They might not answer your email right away. So not to get discouraged and quit right away, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. And to your point, and you know, there's, there's arguments out there about these studies, but, but if mm-hmm. you mash up all of the studies, right, that the, the typical sale. And I don't even like to use the word closed because again, people don't want to be closed, but, but, but typically it's between the fifth and the 12th touch point at a minimum where you finally get to do business. So if you're only following up once or twice, you're leaving a ton of money on the table and you're not serving and helping the person that you could be serving and helping. Right. So, yeah. Do you think there's a difference too between if somebody had like an in-person meeting, like let's say, you know, someone is selling siding for a house or something, right? And they go to the home and they like review the information and they sit down and they go over everything and, and the couple says, you know, we have to think about it, you know, make sure it's in our budget, et cetera, et cetera. Having a meeting like that versus you, you know, are putting something out just through an email, social media, maybe you met someone at a networking event, but it wasn't like a specific scheduled appointment. Like, do you think there, it takes more touches then for that to kind of come to fruition versus that set appointment? Yes. Well, it depends. It depends on the product or service because some Mm -hmm. things can be sold online without ever having mm-hmm. a touch point. Right. But I think what I, what I heard you, the distinction in there in my mind would be one is more marketing mm-hmm. where you're sending emails. And, you know, if you're posting on social media, that's more the marketing side, as opposed to when you're, when you're in a sales cycle and you're past the prospecting phase, right. and you've got this qualified prospect. Um, yeah. So the, the, they're, they're different for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say, you know, somebody is listening and they're like, well, you know, I just got so discouraged because I was trying and I just got no's all the time. I just don't know what I should be doing. Like, how would you help them overcome that fear of 
that rejection, whether maybe someone is just afraid to even go out and do it in the first place because they're afraid they're going to be rejected or someone who has been rejected a few times and they're thinking like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not good at this, you know? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, there's so much around rejection and we don't have all day. So I'll try mm -hmm. to summarize a few things. So first of all, you really need to have no become your friend. Mm -hmm. um, and it's possible. And I'm going to tell you a quick story and I'll, I'll start by asking, could you ever imagine being giddy over the moon, happy, jumping out of your seat for joy if someone hung up on you that you were calling to uh, about sale? I think you could look at it from the perspective that it saved you some time. So you could be happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love your attitude because you're like, maybe, maybe most people I ask are like, oh, oh, that would be awful. Mm -hmm. Back in the Xerox day when um, we had bullpens that we sat in. So they just had dividers and we would have phone blitzes. And there was some pretty significant money tied to these phone blitzes. Like the one that I won was like two or 300 bucks. And this was back in the eighties, right? It wasn't chump change and they had a point system. And so you got one point if you got past the gatekeeper, because remember we're calling business to business, you got three points. If someone said, yeah, you can call me back next week, but I can't talk right now. You got five points if you got an appointment and you got 10 points if they hung up on you. Hmm. So I get someone hanging up on me and I jump out of my chair and I'm like, woo, woo, I just got to <laughs> hang up. And I was thrilled because I was 10 points ahead of those other people working right. at the same speed, right? I won that contest. And not only did I not care about the quote unquote rejection, I was thrilled. There's a book called Go For No, and it is a phenomenal book. Um, Andrea Waltz is one of the authors. I'm having a brain moment on the other one, but Go For No. You can find it on Amazon. And it really teaches you how to not only embrace, but celebrate the no's because it's a numbers game. Mm -hmm. And if you go for no, you're excited when you get them and you'll get yeses along the way as you're going right. for no. So you just have to have a, you know, one of the ways is to have a different relationship with, with mm -hmm. what you perceive as rejection. The other thing is to understand that, you know, people do business with it do business with people they know, like, and trust. Right. Right. So there may be a situation where someone is just really obnoxious and that person doesn't want to do business with them because they're obnoxious, but mm -hmm. that's really rare. The majority of the time, and probably 99% of the time when someone's saying no, they're not saying no to you, right? They're saying no to the offer for any mm -hmm. plethora of reasons. Um, and so you really, we need to stop making it about us because it's not about us. Mm -hmm. It's about them. Right. right. So, yeah. And sometimes no is just not right now. It could be later on, you know, then it becomes the right timing for them and they need your product or service or something more at that point than they do right now. hundred percent, which is part of the qualifying, because that's mm -hmm. one of the really important questions. What's your time frame to solve this problem? 
right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's not for two years, because they want to put an in-ground pole in their house, but they don't even have the house yet, Mm -hmm. then, right. But they know they want, they know they're building and they know they want to pull and you're the pool guy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They're a a prospect and they're even a qualified prospect, but they better be going down to the bottom of your pipeline and you better be working on more, you know, closer, uh, nearer term um, opportunities because you'll starve to death if you're waiting on them. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So I believe that what we were told is that you have an offer too, that's eight tips for building confidence in sales. And I know we've been covering some information, you know, up to this point already, but are there some specific things in that like handout, that download that you have that you want to cover to help them understand some of those informational pieces you have? Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of them we sort of have touched on. Um, flip the script is certainly really, really important, right? Um I would also say, stop pretending you're a mind reader. It's one of my eight tips. And what I mean by that is, especially when we're talking about these follow-ups that we're making, assumptions are made all the time in the, with the mind chatter. I don't want to call them. It's the third time. They're going to think I'm pushy. They must not be interested or they would have said yes by now. I know they mentioned that, um, you know, they were looking at such and such, and I know that's cheaper. So they probably think I'm too expensive. Like we make up these narratives all the time in our head. And we do that because that tool helps us avoid rejection, Mm. right? If we're, if we're making these assumptions that we know why they aren't responding or why they're not moving forward and we just make the assumption and then we go, well, I'm not going to call them, you can avoid rejection. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really would like to encourage everyone to always ask themselves the question when they hear that, how do I know that to be true? Because 99% of the time, you will not be able to answer me, Candy, if I ask you that question, right? right? How do you know mm-hmm. that's true that they think that you're, they're not going to go with you because you're more expensive? Well, mm-hmm. I don't, it's just an assumption I made. And right. when, and when you can't answer it because you don't really know that it's true, then you have to feel the fear and do it anyway, because you realize that assumption was just fear-based and trying to protect you from rejection. So stop making assumptions. That's really important. Um, Let me see. The other thing is it's really important to calendar income producing activities on a very consistent basis. You know, if you have some people in the pipeline and you're like, whoo, I got some prospects and you start working them and you're not carving time out to cultivate new connections. And, you know, and, and in that pipeline, you may need to be proposing to certain people and following up with other people. And there should be relationship activity relative to you, you know, me solving a problem for you and, and then Mm -hmm. asking for the business, that stuff should be going on all the time. Mm -hmm. And because people, um, 
especially women just get so caught up in the sales part of their career and the business that they're building in a, you know, and, and they're sometimes fearful of it. Those activities fall to the bottom of the list, but they're important. They're, they're really important because they're income producing, right? So, right. Mm-hmm. so super, super important and setting goals really critical uh, and you want to keep your eye on the prize. You want to know where you're going. Goals are super motivational, but hmm. then you have to break the goals down into a plan okay. of how you're going to get to those goals and the activity to get you to that plan. Right. So um, you got you want to get crystal clear on on you know the things that you need to be doing to eventually get you to that goal. Yeah. So there there are a few more. So for those goals too, do you recommend, you know, just focusing on the final numbers like, oh yes, I got, you know, this much, you know, in sales, or do you recommend like, you know, having so many phone calls that they make, you know, every week or, you know, like what are the types of goals that you recommend people actually set for themselves? Yeah. So, um, for sure, adding new people to their pipeline or funnel or whatever you want to call it. Like, again, you, you know, you can't just work on the ones that you work with the ones that you have and ignore. So, you know, it, it, and, and there's an overlap between marketing and sales. So it may Mm -hmm. be some networking or some emails, but you have to definitely keep looking for new opportunities. And then, you know, it's a really good idea to set goals for, I like to to call them connections, like just connecting calls, because they could be for this, I'm going to propose to Candy today, but um, I just need to review, I need to do a fact finding with Suzanne over here, right? So, I mean, because there's various steps of the sales cycle and you need to get through all of them. So- Um, even breaking it down with the specificity of that would be awesome in a sales world. That's normal. A lot of entrepreneurs probably aren't going to do it to that level. So Mm -hmm. I would say at a minimum, the two most important things on their calendar are looking for new opportunities as you're working the ones that, um, that you're in, in conversation with, and then setting goals every day to connect with X number of people. Um, yeah, that's great. Well, and I know too, when someone is hired for like a big corporation on a sales team, often there is a specified amount of training time, whether, you know, they're all the new hires go together, you know, and there's just like a classroom type setting, you know, or they're following along with someone to learn, you know, there's kind of usually a more specific training process versus someone like, you know, when I started a business, I was just like, oh, I'm starting a business. I didn't even intend to be a business owner. So there's so many entrepreneurs out there that have never really had sales training. So why would you say that it's really important to get that sales training if you haven't had any? Yeah. So, and I have to tell you, by the way, I don't know what their protocol is today, but when I started with Xerox now, it was more, it was more intensive because it was printing this printing systems division, which had a whole new element than copiers because of the technical Mm -hmm. part. I wasn't allowed to carry a bag, so to speak for six (laughs) months. Wow. I was on the bench in training for six 
months. So fast forward 30 some years, you know, that was part of the reason that I developed a course, because I realized that I had so much amazing training that I had forgotten that I even got that helped Mm. me be so successful in sales. So it's important for a couple of reasons. One, because you really got to get right with your mindset, the limiting beliefs, the mind chatter, all those things are holding you back. You really need to understand what activities top performers do that make them successful. And you need to Mm -hmm. implement habits that you too can make your business successful. And then the third thing is within the steps of the sales cycle, there are just some nuances and some things like, you know, overcoming objections. Like there's specific things you can do um, to help you understand what the pain point is for that person not making the decision. Right. Right. So there's that. And then, uh, or even asking for the business Mm -hmm. buying is fearful. Mm-hmm. When I go to make buying decisions, I'm concerned. Am I making the right decision? Am I going to have buyer's remorse? You do the same thing. We all do it, right? right? So sometimes, you know, people do need to be sort of just helped over the finish line just because mm-hmm. they love you. They love your product. Oh, but there's this little bit of fear about, am I going to make the right decision? And there are some, there are some techniques, like one is called the assumptive <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, that I might say. Uh, you know, if I'm the pool guy and your house is now done and I'm sitting there, you know, proposing this pool to you. um, If I've checked literally all the boxes that you said you needed and wanted, then I'm going to say, well, Candy, you told me what you needed. I can deliver every one of these. And um, so I I guess the question now is what day do you want to start? That was an mm-hmm. assumption that we're just going to pick a date, right? So right. there's, yeah, there's things like that, that, and just in wording, the way you can word things that they don't feel icky and aren't icky and self-serving. Yeah. Right. So how does someone make sales fun too? Cause I think sometimes people feel, you know, oh, it's something I just have to go out and do. It's my occupation. I need to, you know, make money, but it's not necessarily something they wake up to and they're so excited about. So how can they have it fun? Well, a couple of things. First of all, you make it a win-win and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, like you, am so passionate about helping women that, um, sometimes I wish I could do it for free, but I deserve to make a living bottom line, right? We all do. So know that, be confident in that you deserve to make a living and a really great one at that. Um, I think what makes it fun is when you tap in and get passionate about what you're delivering and how you're helping because you're others focused instead of worrying about judgment and how I'm going to come across and do I know enough? And, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. If we, do we have time, I'll tell you another sure. super quick story. Sure. When I, back when I was working for Xerox, um, they came out with this printer that put highlight color on at 90 pages a minute. That's fast. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Highlight mm-hmm. color, not just black mm-hmm. and white. Right. So it was highlight because 
and it was red, green, and blue, but with white dots and black dots, they could create a shading effect that it looked like there were a whole bunch of different colors on the page. Like you don't, you could only use red or blue or green, but so I sold the heck out of that printer and they even had me going to different offices, telling people what I was doing because I was selling it better than anyone else. The reason I was is because, um, so if you are, if you're, um, um, SDG and E, right. And you send out an invoice, if you highlight in red, the due date and the amount only, what are the odds that you're going to get more payments on time and in the correct amount? Pretty I'm significant. Sure yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure significant. Much better. <laughs> yeah. And so while people were like, how can you be so passionate about a piece of hardware that spits out some color? My passion was in knowing that, that this technology could solve some serious problems with the way you've spotted the color and, or really increase your revenues, decrease customer service, you know, requirements because people are more people are paying on time. And I mean, just like all kinds of things. So I was like, I was always so excited to go in and, you know, talk about this product and how I could really help them. So um, just being really tapping into, I like to create a brag file. So instead of doing that for interviewing for a job, when your clients tell you how helpful you've been to them um, and how much they love working with you, write it down. Or if they email you, print it out, put it in a file, review that occasionally, review it before you're making sales calls or before you're going into a meeting. And it'll take the jitters away and remind you of how you're serving and helping others. Right. Right. Yeah. That's good. So when it comes to objections too, because there are going to be times where, you know, they're talking to somebody and they might think, you know, oh, that's more expensive than I thought it was going to be, or it doesn't do everything I thought it was going to do. You know, it could be difficult for a salesperson to handle those objections. So what advice would you give them in terms of that aspect of it? Got to ask second, third, fourth level questions. Sometimes that objection is somebody absolutely just blowing you off. Mm-hmm. It happens. They're not interested, mm-hmm. and you want to know that so you can move on and stop wasting one another's times. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's because they're making assumptions mm-hmm. and or and I'm going to give you an example. The clothing industry that I'm in. Um, so so let's say I have a $200 jacket to sell you. And you could go to one of those discount smaller stores and get something that is $50, right? A jacket for 50. I have one for 200. If you said to me that that's really pricey, I'm going to say to you legitimately wanting to understand candy um, is value more important to you um, and cost per wear, or is just the bottom line price. And the reason mm-hmm. I ask that is because, um, if you purchase this jacket, it's going to be in your closet for 10 years. It's going to hold up so well and still look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And if you're that person who's going to 
who likes your go-to things and you're going to pay $200 for it, but you're going to wear it 20 times. Are you going to go buy that jacket for $50 and you're going to wear it twice because you're really not that jazzed about it the way you are the $200 one? Which one is the better value? Right. Yeah, I'm now, the one that you, you have to invest a little bit more, but it definitely pays for itself. Yeah. So, and your answer might not be that, but what mm-hmm. I want to know is I ask a second level question and presented mm-hmm. kind of this scenario. And you know what? you may be a fast fashion kind of woman and you only like wearing things a few times until you're ready to recycle it Mm. and buy something new. If you're that person, then you're going to say, nope, I'm all about the low price because I don't keep my stuff that long. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're not my prospect anymore. You're probably not like, I'm not going to strong arm you into buying this $200 jacket. I just, I just qualified you. And you're not, you're not a qualified, or I've tried to qualify you and you're not a qualified prospect because you don't like my price point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, you know, anyone that does let me know. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So So, it's mm -hmm. constantly asking, you know, somebody says, you say to me, this isn't, this just isn't the right time. Mm -hmm. I want to know if I'm going to, am I wasting my time to call you back? Or did you really mean that? And if that, if you did, you really love my product, you really want to work with me, but this isn't the right time. I'm going to say to you, Candy, fair enough. You know, you shouldn't be making any decisions until you know, it's the right time. I'm kind of curious what's going to look different in your world that will make it the right time for you. Hmm. That's a good question. (laughs) I mean, Mm-hmm. What what needs to look different? Do you need more cash flow? Do you need, is it the right time because you're actually have to go talk to somebody else about it, but I didn't do my job very well in qualifying and finding out who else was an influencer. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. know, so yeah, but um, ask a lot of questions to understand what they're really saying when it sounds like an objection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this has been really good. I know we're getting close to the end of the time that we have together. So I want to give you the opportunity to share any offer that you would like to have for our listeners. Sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. So um, if you go to, you can get the eight tips for building confidence in sales by going to www.gwencurlova.com. And I'll spell that. It's G-W-E-N-K-R-I-L-O-V-A.com forward slash building confidence. Okay. So that's where you'll get the down the, the eight tips. Also, same www.gwencrolova.com forward slash WSC. It stands for women selling with confidence. That is where you can learn more about the um course that that it's a training and coaching course that I've developed a 13 week course. And I also have a podcast called women selling with confidence. And so if you go to www.gwencurlova.com forward slash podcast, you can sign up and uh, get notification each time a podcast is released. And that's all about uh, tactical things with sales, as well as, you know, I do interviews that are just relevant to, to women entrepreneurs in general that I think might help them. Perfect. Well, this has been great. I do know that there are some people who may want to be reaching out to you and, you know, you gave your website. Are there any other ways that people can connect with you besides the website? 
Yeah. Well, besides the website, uh, my email address is Gwen at GwenCurlova.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn uh, with, through, with Gwen Curlova as well. Perfect. Well, thank you, Gwen, for being a guest on my show and sharing your expertise. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been great. It was a lot of wonderful information. So I, I'm sure the listeners will find it helpful. And for those who are tuning in, I hope this was interesting and answered some of your questions on building confidence in sales. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Gwen at the website or through LinkedIn. Like she said, you are send her an email um, or you can message us at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? greatly appreciate your support. I hope you can join us for next week's topic. And please remember, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. You can also find the podcast posted on multiple favorite podcast platforms, including Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.